This is Caregiver's Compass, an uplifting podcast all about the ins and outs of caregiving for a loved one. Tips, tricks, true stories, and experts. It's all here on Caregiver's Compass. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Caregiver's Compass. My name is Stephanie Muscat. I am a registered social worker and psychotherapist. Please note that this episode is not the act of psychotherapy. Our group support program is coming back this September 2022. I cannot wait. This is a program for you if you've been looking to relate to other caregivers going through similar experiences while trying to focus on your self-care and your boundaries and staying more present. If you've been feeling extremely overwhelmed with the caregiving experience and you want to learn ways to tackle those emotions and deal with all of that stress, this is the group for you. I'm especially excited for this one because we have two amazing guest speakers coming on to talk about their experiences as a very overwhelmed caregiver and also to talk about different activities that you can engage in with your loved one. If you're interested, please book a call with me on my website, compassionandcaregiving.com. Enrollment is very limited so that we can keep it a tight-knit group and I cannot wait to speak to all of you and have this program started in September. Speak soon. So today we have the amazing Wendy Williams. You're back for season two. Wendy was our top episode of season one. That was that was your episode. You did such an incredible job and people really related to you and loved to hear what you had to say. So we had to have you back. Thank you. Or probably going to have to be back, back again. Always love to be back. And today's topic is one that I think we both can relate to. And it's one that I think is very common, but not commonly discussed. And that is feeling guilt in the caregiver relationship, the caregiver space, and the entire process. So everyone feels guilt in a very different way. And... I also think that we should talk about guilt versus shame because those are two different things. So guilt is more about what you're, what you do and shame is about who you are. Yes. So they can be intertwined, but guilt is more about the actions that you're taking and how you decide to go about your life and what you decide to do. So. I wanted to talk about what my experiences were with guilt as I was really in the caregiving space with my mom and my grandmother. And then I wanted to ask you about yours because we have very different overall experiences, but I think the feeling of guilt can be common. So my experience of guilt, I had many, but one of the main ones that I can remember was when I had set boundaries with my mom and my grandmother in terms of how much I was going to answer the phone. So they were originally calling me, oh my gosh, I don't even, and I think I was talking to you at this time too. 
I don't even remember. I think they were calling me something like 10 times in two hours, something like that. It was a lot. I remember. No, it was a lot and I couldn't handle it. And so I decided to say to them, I'm not able to answer the phone like this. It's not an emergency. I am going to answer the phone once and then I'm going to turn it off because I was also studying at the time in in university. And I said, I'm going to turn off my phone. And then if you leave me a message, I'll call you back unless it's an emergency. So that was very not me. I was always the one to answer and always the one to help. And that was a huge change for me. And I felt a ton of guilt surrounding that decision. That's a big part of me. But this episode is mostly about you. (laughs) So I wanted to ask you if you can pinpoint and think about the guilt that you have felt throughout your caregiving for your children and your mom. And I guess, yeah, just first of all, where have you felt guilt? There is a big, a big thing about what you're saying, boundaries and setting boundaries for yourself between the care, the person who's receiving care and the person who's giving care. And that's always very, very difficult to do. And it causes guilt for my mom. Same with you. Yes. Setting those boundaries with my mother creates a lot of guilt. And it has, and I also have guilt that I can't give her enough time because of Garrett and all my other caregiving needs. And, you know, setting boundaries with my husband, as we've talked before, that I have caregiving for my disabled son, my autistic daughter, my bipolar husband, and my mother, who is, she has an autoimmune disease and she's very unwell. So setting boundaries with my mom was difficult. Setting boundaries with my husband was crucial. And even though it caused a lot of guilt, it's still crucial. But setting boundaries with your kids is a whole different something, isn't it? Um, But yeah, boundaries are crucial, but very, very guilt, guilt inducing. So yes, that, that does also. And I think another big thing about caregiving and guilt, and it goes across the board for all those that I provide caregiving to, and that's guilt for wanting freedom from caregiving. Being a caregiver is a very, very difficult job. And especially when it's you're caregiving for your family and it's not your occupation. You know, it's difficult when you're not your occupation to be a caregiver, but you get to go home. And when you're a caregiver for a disabled child and you just want freedom from this life, constant 24-7 caregiving. The guilt that comes with that can just be overwhelming. I just want to know, Garrett is your son because he said, yes. So anyone who's listening to this and didn't listen to you last season, which they really should go and listen to that. I can't agree more. And on that note, before we kind of delve into your guilt and how you feel the guilt and what's going on there, that feeling of wanting to escape is so common. And in my, I run a caregiving support group. And in that group, the amount of people who were too scared to say until someone raised it, and then they all said, me too, was the guilt about having the thought that you wish the person you were caring for was no longer here in the sense if they are older, you know, 
it depends. Yeah. It depends who you're caring for. It depends how that's going. And But in this situation, they were all caring for a parent. And this parent was deteriorating and no longer themselves. And they all had the thoughts. I wish this person was no longer here so I could just move forward yes. because this is so difficult. And the guilt about feeling that. Yes. And not realizing how common that thought is because it relates yeah. to you wanting to escape. Yeah. Which is actually a normal human thought. If you're experiencing something really difficult, the normal thought is, I want to flee. And, you know, I can empathize with feeling that for a parent who is elderly. But I think that I can speak for every mother with a profoundly disabled child that when you are so exhausted to the point of delirium, you have those feelings about for your child too. You kind of long mm -hmm. for them to not be here anymore. And that's very, very difficult for me to say. Yeah. But, you know, it's the truth. It's the truth of the matter. And that not only brings on a lot of guilt, but that brings on a lot of shame. Shame and caregiving is a completely different topic, like you said earlier. But that particular guilt is just overwhelming. But the exhaustion will push you to places where you just normally wouldn't go. Right. And I think it's important that we're having these conversations and normalizing these thoughts because that doesn't make you or me or anybody else a bad person to have those thoughts. These are normal thoughts. You're in a really hard situation. And it's okay to have those thoughts. But obviously, because those thoughts are something that, you know, aren't necessarily what we actually desire, right? You don't want right to die. We feel terrible about it. And we feel, Absolutely. oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? There must be something wrong with me to have these thoughts. I mean, I think getting to that point where you're having those thoughts can partially sometimes be mitigated depending on the self-care you can put into your life yeah. and the balance. But if you have never really been there, or even if you are and you're going through a really rough situation, those thoughts are normal. I mean, in, in you know, it depends. There's a spectrum, right? I mean, yeah. it depends how, how you're having those thoughts, but the fleeing thoughts are normal. Yeah. And especially for parents with um, very medically vulnerable children who go to the hospital a lot and their life is on the edge a lot. Um, just the overwhelming amount of stress that comes with that, you know, it's a different situation than, yeah. than anyone would ever think to be in. Right. And I can't, I can't relate to that, you know, experience. And so I can't say that I've had those thoughts, but definitely the thoughts of, I wish that, you know, my mom or my grandmother were no longer here because it was so hard and so difficult yeah, I had those. I've had those thoughts. Thanks. So when we're talking about guilt, you know, and, and you have many different areas of guilt in your life and who you're caring for. How does that guilt present itself? Is it a rumination? Do you feel it in your body? How are you feeling and experiencing that guilt? Um, you know, originally. I was having a very difficult time differentiating between the shame and the guilt. But my go-to trauma response is shame. So it took a while for me to really do self-reflection and 
think, okay, this, this part is shame and this part is guilt. And what is it that is manifesting to me in the guilt? It's really a lot of um, dwelling thoughts. You know, did I make the right decision? Did I do the right thing? Did I do enough? Did I advocate enough for them? Did I do the right thing in pregnancy or did I do something wrong? Or, you know, that's how it manifests in me. Just the, the dwelling on every possible aspect of everything. The thoughts just weighing you down and, and overcoming, it sounds Absolutely. like. Yeah. And when you say shame, when you were feeling shame, is that I'm a bad person because, or I'm... Yes, yes, yes. And that's how I differentiated it. And honestly, you know, reading a lot of, I shouldn't say self-help books, but books about shame and books about guilt. You know, guilt is, I, I did bad, shame is I am bad. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, especially when you have a, a child who is so vastly disabled, you're like, I am a bad mother because I made this being mm. and I did something bad to deserve this child. Um, mm-hmm. So that's all the shame of everything that I did in the bad karma or bad judgment or bad being a bad person or that's more the shame and the guilt is. Could I have made a better choice on their caregiving? And you and I talked about that before. Trying to make the right decision on what's best for your child. Whether that child is a healthy child or a not healthy child, trying to make the best decision is so difficult. And every parent struggles with that. But when it's really big decisions, when it comes to medical care or something that's going to impact them so profoundly, and you don't know if you made that right decision, the guilt is, can just be overwhelming. Definitely. And I think also in that respect, when we're talking about guilt, also if you have a child that is disabled or a parent who's declining or anything in between, it can lead, when we're at our wits end, we can yell, we can scream. We yes. can, and, and it's it's again, a normal reaction. And I've had a lot of guilt about, oh my gosh, I screamed at my mom or I screamed at my dad who was pushing back because of my mom or I've screamed at my kids. You know, I've had a big period right after I had this baby and I haven't talked about this publicly at all. But once I had this baby, I was like three kids, you know, under the age of five, I was yelling. Yeah, I had periods where I was so tired and my kids... We're pushing every button possible and pushing each other's buttons. And I yelled and I said, we all yell, but a lot of guilt about that as well. And again, a normal response. So what do you do with your guilt? How do you react and mitigate the guilt or do you? Yeah, you know, I'm not one that yells. I never have been. I just really shut down more than yelling. I'm the opposite of that. I will just retreat within myself and not talk to anyone. I will drop off the face of the earth mm. three months. You know, I will, you know, I just retreat into myself and I do, you know, I just go through life kind of on autopilot and until I figure out, oh, wait, you're not, this is, you're not in a good mental health space. You need to, you need to get yourself together and figure out what's going on. And then, you know, I'll do the necessary, you know, depending on what it is, 
Um, but with guilt, I will just um, kind of analyze the situation and say, look, you did the best you could with the information you had at the time. You may have different information now, and that would have affected your decision then, but the information you had right then, you did the absolute best you could do. And that helps. That helps. Sounds like a lot of self-talk. Like you can do a lot of self-talk and neutralizing the thoughts that you're having. Yes. Do you find with your guilt, because again, this is something that I covered in my support group. Do you find that the voices of guilt are similar to the voices of a toxic parent that raised you the same sort of words that might put you down from a toxic parent? Do you find that guilt is manifesting as that too? Because I've made lots of connections with that. Yeah. And that was when I needed to differentiate between guilt and shame because having a toxic parent, my life was filled with shame. And, you know, it was always manifested in so many various ways that I lived my life in a storm of shame all the time. And so once I was able to differentiate between the guilt and the shame, that was such a huge, huge thing for me. And now still, again, there's, there's still shame, but I can knock that shame out much quicker than I can knock out the guilt because you know, she's processing trauma and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. Did I answer your question? What was question? No, you did. I mean, the, the truth is that when we grow up with a toxic care provider, whoever that might be, if they are saying negative things to us about us and about what we do over and over again, that actually can manifest itself when we're older as the thoughts of guilt and shame, because those are the things that we've learned to internalize. And those thoughts then presented themselves even external from that caregiver. And so we have to recognize when maybe our thoughts are actually the thoughts that or the words that were said to us by those care providers. And that's common as well. Yeah. And I had a lot of that when Garrett was a baby. And Kennedy too. She Kennedy is autistic. She has level one autism, which used to be known as Asperger's. Um, and my toxic parent, you know who that one is, but would always fill my head with, "You're such a horrible mother. Why is your child acting like this? Why is she melting down and and all this? And you're not feeding Garrett enough. You didn't let him stay." in your womb long enough you didn't do this you didn't do that and so yeah you know it was just a storm of shame and it was and that was my voice too that was also my inner voice of I'm not being a good enough mother and that's why these kids aren't thriving and I'm not being a good enough wife and that's why my husband is unsound you know yeah because so absolutely internalizing those thoughts and actually yes. starting to say that to yourself and that manifests in physical ways. Yes. Yeah, it absolutely does. So I think people are probably wondering now, okay, great. I have all this guilt. I have all this shame. I know that, that I'm not alone in this. What do I do now? And so I have my answers, which obviously come from my lens. And then maybe I'd, I'd like you to share your answers too. 
My answers, without sounding like a broken record and someone, obviously, this is what I'm going to say because this is who I am, is, is therapy. I think therapy is really important for many different reasons to get down to the root of what the thoughts may be coming from, what you know they might be manifesting from, if that's from your childhood or if that's from now, why are you thinking in these ways, normalizing the thoughts, you know, trying to figure out some self-talk, reading thoughts, all those types of things. And also, you know, talking to that care provider in our own way, um, not in a real way, but we do a lot of kind of imaginary talk to the care provider to, to stand your ground. That can really cause a lot of strength internally. I also think finding ways to ground yourself so that you're not at an elevated place where your thoughts are going in circles and so heightened, whatever that might look like for you, having a regular routine of grounding yourself so that even if you are stressed, because we're all stressed when the, in yeah. situations, that maybe your thoughts don't go to that heightened place all the time. What do you say when it comes to guilt? What are the ways that you manage it other than the self-talk? How do you ground yourself? How do you find balance so that you don't get out of control in those ways? I will agree with you that therapy is crucial. Absolutely crucial. Um, I'm a firm believer that every person needs therapy. Uh, a lot of people vehemently disagree with me on that, and that's fine. Um, it is very, very, very difficult to find a therapist in the United States and Texas. Um, it's very difficult to find a therapist who is skilled in complex trauma. And so that will turn a lot of people away from therapists. But, you know, therapy and a qualified therapist will help you get the mental vocabulary to be able to process your stuff. It, you will be able to know the difference between guilt and shame. Um, and you will be able to talk have that self-talk be more effective because you know the you'll you'll have the tools and you'll know the right words you know because if you are feeling shame and you're labeling it as guilt that's not helping you because you're not processing it properly so yes that's very crucial and for me and you know this i am a huge book reader of um the various books. There's great books out there about shame and guilt and trauma and caregiving um, boundaries. And, you know, there, I just read so much. But I listen to audiobooks if I don't have time to read when I'm in the car or whatever. That helps me actually more than the therapy has because I'm, I'm a very science math brain person and uh, I have to look at it in a very analytical way. And so that helps me a lot, but others that doesn't help very much, but that's my lens. Yeah. Are there any books I'm putting you on the, on the spot here? Are there any books or, um, any audio recordings or podcasts that you would recommend off the top of your head? You know, the one to build your, uh, mental vocabulary and the best one is Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. Um, she's actually the one that labeled the guilt and shame. I am bad versus I did bad. Um, and she will 
she tells you all the different emotions. She outlines them and says, okay, this is this and this is this. You may think you're feeling guilt, but it's really shame. And it's a lot of different emotions. It was like 37, 87 different things. And that gave me a better vocabulary when I'm talking to myself and trying to really figure out what I'm feeling. What's triggering this guilt or what's triggering this shame or what's triggering this grief? And that's a whole separate topic that's still intertwined with guilt and shame and and caregiving. But um, that book I would recommend for, you know, mental vocabulary. Interesting. I've heard, I heard about the book. I didn't look into it. I heard some both sides. I don't know why, because I didn't look into it. Some loved it. Some really didn't like it. It was like very polarized. I don't know why. Uh, It's not your typical Brene Brown book. And that's probably uh, why it's very textbook like, because mm -hmm. it's almost like an encyclopedia. It's an emotional encyclopedia kind of. And where her books, um, like Braving the Wilderness is one of my favorite books of hers. And that's, that's a good read and it's an easy read and it's not technical and it's not textbookish. And I think that that's why it's a polarizing book because mm. people are really anticipating a, a Brene Brown book and it's yeah. different. That makes a lot of sense. I really like her podcast too. And I know you do as Absolutely. well um, in terms of all of that. She touches on those topics a lot. And I think you were the one that introduced me to her actually. So I think so. Yeah, I, think so. Yeah, I really like her as well. There's a lot of books on childhood trauma and a parent having inflicted negative thoughts that have become normal to you that you don't even realize you're saying to yourself. I do have my own library of those books. Um, I can probably share those maybe in a blog post or an Instagram post. I, I should. Um, they're not obviously the end all be all, but those are definitely right. books that have helped um, a lot of people that I know, people I've worked with, and they're great reads. So I should probably post that as well. You want me to tell you about the one that's the the one that has changed my viewpoint on? Yeah, that? please do. It's by Pete Walker, and he's done a lot with complex trauma and CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And he wrote a book called CPTSD from surviving to thriving. And it absolutely, that has been the most life-altering book for me personally. But you really have to be in a okay mental state to read right. that book or listen yes. to it on audio because it will put you in a dark space, but it's it's life-changing. There are some books that I'm like, maybe you should have your own support as well while you're reading this. Absolutely. Just absolutely. in case you get into that place. But yeah, I think I think this conversation was really important to normalize what people are feeling. They don't want to say it out loud. And also to start chopping at that iceberg and, you know, start getting down to the bottom of guilt and shame. It's it's an ongoing thing. It's not like Absolutely. you deal with it and it's gone, right? It's an ongoing Absolutely. process. But it's something that you can definitely learn to manage. And Absolutely. yeah, another amazing episode with Wendy. So thanks, Steph. We're going to have you back. I don't know when yet, but we will have you back because there are a lot of other things that we were thinking of talking about, which we'll release later. Absolutely. Yeah, you're great. Thanks for being here, Wendy. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Caregiver's Compass. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. 
Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. I'm Stephanie Muscat. Have an uplifting day and I'll see you next time.